0: Hello, and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today as we take a look at uh, Scripture and where God is leading us. And as we get to a, a new, I want to say, mini series, I think it'd be good for us, I thought it'd be good for us to talk a little bit about something that I think we all need and could all show more of, which is is grace. It's something that we don't talk about too often, uh, yet it's something that is would probably help solve a lot of different things and problems in our lives. Um, We've been talking so much about what it means for us to go after uh, the problems in our lives and be very proactive in a way where we can face our giants not by waiting for them to come to us, but actually us going to them. We've done that by using the story of David and Goliath. Uh, However, I think it'd be really good for us to to find ourselves in a place where where we understand and take a look at grace, uh, how Jesus deals with grace, how the disciples deal with grace. And I want to start today in Mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16. And really, if I'm looking at this, today is all about looking how we see Jesus extend grace to kids in a rather unique way. Now, I'm I know you may all think who are, all you who are listening to this may think that I was a perfect child, and you're right. All right, thanks for joining us today. That is it. Uh, you've come to the conclusion, uh, the proper conclusion. <laughs> of course, I'm joking. Uh, I I was probably not the perfect kid, uh, and sooner or later my parents will come down to visit, and you'll be able to get all the insight that you ever ever want while they're visiting but until then I thought it'd be good for us to to take a look at how Jesus extended grace to kids in this kind of unique way uh, it, it's so easy for us to to think that kids just get in trouble uh, or that they're a bother or they're they should be seen and not heard even or, or quite frankly that that they don't matter much. Uh, kind of half people, and and Jesus took time to minister to children, and on two different occasions, he fed large groups of people, 5,000 men one time and 4,000 on another day. He also, though, fed children, uh, and it was a young boy who gave him the fish and the bread, which launched one of the miracles in the first place. In Matthew 18, Jesus called uh, a little child to him and, and had him stand among the disciples. And I really love that picture of what Jesus did there. And it strikes me that Jesus didn't have to go looking for a child. There was one nearby. And I think there were children around all the time. And there were families around uh, Jesus all the time. When Jesus made his last entry into Jerusalem in Matthew 21, it was the children who shouted out, Hosanna to the son of David in Matthew twenty-one fifteen. Later, when Jesus is looking out over the city of Jerusalem, he says, "How often I long to gather your children together, as hens gather their chicks under their wings, but you were unwilling." As he talks about, uh, talks about Jerusalem and the people in it, and so for our text today, we see that Jesus extended grace to kids again in this this rather unique way, uh, and we're using Mark chapter ten verses. Ah, uh, thirteen to sixteen as our our template for what we've what we've got, uh, and and it goes like this: People were bringing little children to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. He said to them, "Let the little children come to Me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God is like a child." like a child, will never enter. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. It's a very interesting conversation that's happening here, uh, and especially as the disciples are the ones who are doing the rebuking as families are bringing the children to Jesus. I can take a a little rabbit trail here where I say this is why I believe it's so important for... uh, intergenerational worship when it comes to us as a church and us being able to allow the kids to have their kids time allow the adults to have their adult time but we need big church we need people and families gathering together imagine this setting in in a church setting if families were showing up and there were there were people saying no 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 we don't want the kids here <laughs> i know it sounds absurd but that's kind of what's happening here uh, with the disciples and Jesus. And and there's this message right from the beginning of let the children come to him. Since kids matter to Jesus and, and should therefore matter to us, this passage really challenges, was, challenges us with a few things. The first thing we need to do in relation to children is to let them come. And I want you to notice verse 13 that people were bringing little children to Jesus. The tense of of the words here indicate that this was something that was customary. It happened all the time. These parents knew that kids matter to Jesus. So they knew the kids would be welcome. This wasn't something out of the ordinary for Jesus. This was something regular that happened. They knew their kids would be prayed for and blessed by Jesus. Also, they didn't think even twice about it. They weren't worried about Jesus turning his back on them or their kids. And I'm sure they noticed how Jesus had treated children on many different occasions. They no doubt wanted their kids to be ministered to as well. But the disciples didn't like the interruption. As we read the story, we see that they were almost acting as bodyguards. They scolded the parents. Why couldn't these children just go and play? How dare they bother Jesus? Uh, he has more important things to do probably than to deal with children. After all, they were more important than a bunch of kids. They were his chosen ones, the, the disciples. And the disciples uh, then turn to these adults and rebuke them and the parents and, and they tell them off. The word rebuke is a, a very strong word that's used here. It's the same word that, that is used by Jesus when he rebuked the wind and the sea in Mark chapter 4, which means to be muzzled. So you have to understand uh, how imperative and how strong this word is. It it has the idea of strictly forbidding something uh, with the threat of punishment if the command is not obeyed. Uh, And so so it might have been something along the lines of, wait, you can't control your children? What kind of parents are you? Can't you see Jesus is busy? He doesn't have time for, for these kids. He's busy with us. Would you quit bothering him? Uh, and, uh, and so on and so on. It was a strong rebuke. What they didn't realize was that Jesus, uh, uh, about Jesus, was that, that he's someone who really cares. He cared much more than they did. <laughs> if you read through this passage over uh, again, you see the disciples didn't value children. They weren't important to them. To them, real ministry is the kind that reaches adults. Kids were just a nuisance. Uh, and and I think before we get too hard on the disciples and what they were saying and what that looked like, I think it's probably good for us to look at our own hearts and some of our own attitudes as we take a look at at the role kids play in church and the, the role that uh, youth play in church and... College kids play in, uh, play in church uh, and how much of a seat at the table we really want to give them. We have to be careful of our own attitudes because we might end up similar to well, in a similar way that the disciples uh, ended up. And that's probably more than we would care to admit. But verse 14 says Jesus was indignant with the disciples. Uh, the word indignant comes from the compound word in the Greek meaning to grieve much. And this was the only time it was used in the entire New Testament. This made Jesus both angry and sad at the same time. Uh, and no one should ever think that think of children as unimportant. He would not tolerate this attitude amongst his disciples. And he doesn't tolerate it among Christ's followers today. Kids matter to Jesus, therefore, uh, they should matter to us. And, and I know we sometimes think of... Uh, I kind of mentioned and alluded to that phrase of, you know, the children should be seen and not heard. Uh, And I remember when I went back uh, and, and visited the church I grew up in, and it's got a big gymnasium, and I remember our kids walked in there, and immediately after church they said, can we go find some kids and play tag? much like what happens on sunrise and you see at sunrise and you see the kids running around uh, outside after the service and playing tag and having fun and I love how it brings the the campus to life and just ha- them having fun uh at church but but I remember when they asked me can you run around here when I was visiting the church I grew up in and I honestly didn't know cuz I did not think that you weren't I mean you knew you weren't supposed to run in church and and I think sometimes we come down very hard, uh, similar to the way the disciples did. But listen to Jesus' response. I mean, that is a, a, the fact that it's only used once, right? Uh, it's a rare word containing angry and sad at the same time. There's a lot of emotion that's wrapped up in that. The, di- the disciples thought that Jesus needed protection from bothersome children. But what Jesus points out is that the children needed protection from some bubbling, bumbling adults <laughs> and, and the disciples. Uh, it wasn't the, the kids who were the ones Jesus needed protecting from. And, and it's this is very significant uh, because it indicates that children were made for God. And this is what Jesus is saying, that he and children were made for God each other. Uh, and they are very much a part of God's kingdom. You cannot read this without seeing how important of a role children played in the life of Jesus. They loved him immediately. They wanted to go to him. The The parents uh, and the families were drawn to the message of Jesus. We need to, to let this same thing happen, right, with us and to not put obstacles in the way. And and I picture this in the the picture of what church and community life is supposed to look like, as we gather together on Sundays, and as as we see people on campus here and uh, and families gathering, is we don't want to be that stumbling block that is standing between families and Jesus, between youth and kids and families in our community and Jesus. We don't want to be that roadblock. We want to be able to create the, the safest and and easiest pathway so people can know Jesus uh, in a church setting, in a program setting. And this is something that is universal that I, I believe that this passage is talking about that Jesus is talking about. How significant it is that Jesus cares about the children. To say it more positively, we need to lead our children to receive Christ as their Savior when they are young. If we don't, we may be hindering them from becoming all that Christ has in mind for them. At the same time, this puts a very important role on the disciples and a very important role on us as disciples and and what our role in the life of kids should be uh, and families in this church. You will hear me say on Mother's Day and Father's Day that one of the the important things that I truly believe is that we are a family. Church is meant to be family. And whether you have kids or not, you are a part of this family. And there are kids at that church at this church. So therefore, you are a parent. You are a grandparent. You are meant to be that encourager. You're you're meant to be that that champion who who cheers them on and and helps them grow in their faith. And and that's what Jesus is doing here is championing the cause of the, the kingdom of God. He, he goes even further uh, in as you look at it. Jesus tells Christ followers today in verse 14 not to hinder children. This tells me, uh, and this verse helps me see, that, that kids by nature want to come to Jesus. It's us adults who often stand in the way. Uh, let's let them do... In, uh, In order for them to know Jesus more. And if that means proclaiming his name, if that means being able to share our own stories of how we came to know Jesus with them, rather than saying, get out of here, the big kids are talking. And I know this seems like an interesting spot to start in when we start talking about grace, but. This is sometimes the areas where we need the largest amount of grace. And as we go through this, we see that children often get it a lot more than we do in all areas of of being Christ followers. Some of these concepts are very simple uh, from also showing grace and showing love and showing forgiveness and not holding grudges. Uh, And so I think it's probably fitting that we start here as Jesus looks at at children uh, and and the role that they played, because of the high value Jesus places on kids, he gives a strong warning to anyone who becomes a hindrance to the children. Uh, listen to what he says in Matthew Matthew eighteen verses five and six: In whomever welcomes one such child uh, in my name, welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble uh though these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. <laughs> Jesus is not mincing words on this, right uh I'm challenged as a father to make sure that I don't become a stumbling block to my children. We, we, we've read and, and know of Ephesians 6, uh, verse 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. But it's a challenge of what we're reading. Um, and whether you're listening to this and you're a brother or a sister or a, a fellow parent, the best thing we can do to express our love to our children and to the children of our church is to lead them to a conscious commitment of Jesus Christ in their, their early years and in their formative years. One of the things that I think is very important as I look at growing up, and this is a bit of a tangent, uh, but when I, when I look at some formative years and when people are juniors and seniors in, in high school and, and they go into college. They wrestle with a lot of what Christianity is, as they're presented with all sorts of different ideas from, from the world. One of the things that I'm very passionate about, as many people know, is is Israel and the role that um, being present in the land of Israel, you know, plays. Uh, and and there's a, a program called Birthright Israel. It's for Jewish uh kids in high school and it gives them a chance to go to the Holy Land. In fact, the state pays for them to go for free to get to know the Holy Land. And I've long thought that as Christ followers and as a church, it's something that we need to really embrace where where we can get our high schoolers and our college students over to the land of Israel, so all those stories they've heard when they've gr- when they grow up, they can get their hands dirty in in the archaeology to see that the stories existed. For them to sit on the Mount of the Beatitudes and and be able to read the Sermon on the Mount and see the view and see what Jesus was was speaking to as he read that. To sit in En Gedi in the as in Psalms where David is writing his Psalms and, and see where he gets all of his motivation for writing these Psalms from, right? It, to, to be able to go to the Valley of Elah, where David and Goliath took place. And uh, again, I say this because this is looking at later years as saying, how do we as parents, as a church, as adults, um, do everything we can to foster the growth of our kids. Uh, and, and it's with young adults, it is with high school students, it is with our kids. Um, and we want to try and foster that in, in any way, right? And so when I look at that from a church perspective, I ask myself how do we grow our kids, our youth, and, and bring them so they feel like they are a part of something bigger? And, and realize that Jesus valued them so much. And the grace that, that Jesus showed to, to kids was, was so immense that it should be reflective in the very DNA of who we are as a church globally, at sunrise, uh, across North America. And, and I think that will start to really give us a very large impact uh, with families in seeing the kingdom of God grow as, as Jesus talks about. I'm going to talk about this even more next week uh, because I really want to touch upon also how we can learn from kids and and some of the passages in this. But this all revolves around grace and how we can grow in grace uh, by showing grace and and grow as a church uh, stronger and a community stronger. So I'm looking forward to this. I hope you are as well. I think this is a great bouncing off point from us looking at how we can face our giants because often... Uh, we get caught up in and different things in life, and we need to be shown a lot of grace, but we also need to show a lot of grace ourselves. So I'm really looking forward to this, and we're going to be doing this over the next couple weeks uh, and taking a look at all sorts of different passages revolving grace and seeing how we can have that more prevalent in our lives. But I'm going to stop there. I think it's a great place to stop as we look to continue this next week. I want to thank you for joining me uh, as as we journey through this, as we study God's word, I hope you're enjoying it. I I certainly am as we gather together through the, uh, the beauty of podcasts, but I'm really looking forward to where God is leading us. So take care, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week.